the masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something there beyond the realm of man And until you thoroughly tested every last close just That's true, Dr. Sayers. Very well. Where would we be without THC? Cause we know they're lying to us, just don't know to what degree. Yeah, where would we be without THC? The highest side chat show, Greg Carwood Company. How's it going, our side chatters from sunny San Diego? I'm your humble host, Greg Carlwood, and I just wanted to say a couple of things before we do the deep dive into the topic of 5G and the biological effects of radio frequency radiation. And one of those things that I want to say is that the live show with Tinfoil Hat went really, really well. I was so worried about my first time on stage, about being properly prepared, all that kind of stuff. But every guest was great. It ended up being more of a panel type thing with about 10 people that cycled through at one time or another. There is audio and video. I'm going to be working on making it just a little bit better if I can, and it will come out before too long in some form. There are some really great moments, especially if you're familiar with people like Jimmy Dore and Eddie Bravo. It's pretty awesome. But also, for Plus members, part two of the Armenian adventure is done. You can find it on the Plus site. Five more sites from the Graham Hancock tour, including a buried pyramid, some ancient petroglyphs, and a dark priesthood guarding secret stone technology. It's a lot to take in. Sign up for Plus if you haven't, and you can see two of the three parts that are out, as well as, you know, everything else. The archives, the forums. And lastly, in regards to today's show, I really, really sought this one out because I'd heard Susan Clark other places And I found her to be super interesting and focused on 5G with a more scientific perspective. But we did have some issues. Susan is on the East Coast, and our first attempt to do this show was derailed by the storms we had in her area a few weeks back. Her power and internet and even her phone were knocked out for a couple of days. So we stayed in contact, and as soon as she got her internet up and running, we went for it. But the connection was still pretty bad. It's not ideal, but there are just some interviews as a host that I just want to get. And sometimes I have to try two or three times to make it happen. I do a lot of preparation. I got my outline and then I'm just worried that it's not going to come to fruition. So sometimes I take what I can get. I think the info is pretty important. And I wanted to get it through Susan's fairly unique lens and just deal with the rest. It's been a while since we had a female guest. She's definitely knowledgeable. And she's done so much to fight the system on this issue. So much that even targeted attacks were talked about, which isn't something I like to invoke often. But she had serious concerns, and as Susan said, maybe that's partly to blame for our inability to keep a good connection going. If it is, all the more reason to stick through it just out of spite. But either way, it's at least worth letting you know about, but I hope you find the content interesting enough to stick through it, and I'll see you on the other side. Here we go. 5G technology, radio frequency radiation, and the coming eco-genocide with Susan Clark. It's the Higher Side Chats Podcast, but you can call it THC. Always talking fringe ideas, digging up conspiracies. Stuff they don't want you to know, it's the stuff we want to see. That's life here on the Higher Side. It's the place for me, it's my favorite show, where the guests are great and my mind gets blown the Higher Side. 
Side Chatters, today we're going to talk about projects against the people and the complete control mechanisms that we seem to be subject to. Because when you look back at history, you can see all the warning signs we glossed over on the road to today. Corporations who made deadly concoctions like Agent Orange now dominate food science. Clear cases of weaponized weather like Project Popeye during Vietnam aren't even considered possible in the mainstream decades after the technology was already used. The deep state nexus carried out huge, wide-ranging mind control experiments of every conceivable nature, never to be held accountable or any of those groups dismantled. From television to smartphones and tablets, we've ignored the increasingly effective iterations of mind-altering electronic entertainment devices with very few questions about their safety. We've watched the regulatory agencies in every sector slowly swallowed up by the same ones they're meant to oversee. And people have demanded no accountability for clear and proven cases of secretive spraying on unsuspecting neighborhoods back to the 1950s. So when you look at this landscape, littered with red flags, is it any wonder that nefarious groups working on covert, subtle, and slow-rolling technology to control every facet of human existence are still doing what we've caught them doing decade after decade? Are you surprised that these people would continue to refine their technologies and keep their campaigns going? Are you at all worried about how 60-plus years of uninterrupted, unlimited-funded experimentation and testing might be implemented in today's world? Well, you should be. And today we're going to take a deep dive into these very ideas with a woman who has spent so much time reading, researching, and wrapping her head around their plans for us that we owe her more than we know. Her name is Susan Clark, and she spent a decade as a research assistant at the Harvard School of Public Health, where she was awarded a certificate in health and human rights, and she's been fighting for us ever since, even co-authoring Rhode Island's anti-geoengineering bill of 2017. A person who's fighting off the empire while the world scrolls Facebook. Susan Clark, welcome to the higher side. (laughs) Thank you so much for that beautiful intro. And I just want to say, yeah, I avoid Facebook like the plague. (laughs) It's really important to get off of Facebook if you're on it. Right on. Cheers to that. And I am so happy I could get you here. And big thanks to Mike Williams of the Sage Aquay podcast, because I heard you on his show, reached out to him, and then he put us in contact. So I do have to give him a bit of a shout out. And then to get the ball rolling here, maybe we can start off with your background as a research assistant, because we've seen enough to know that if you dig, there are studies and whistleblowers and paper trails that tell us what we'd want to know when it comes to these weaponized science areas. But it's usually suppressed, and you have to really seek that information out. And it seems like you were actually paid to do that very thing, right? Well, I wasn't paid. (laughs) I had to do it all on my own volunteer. Ah. When I was a research assistant, I was doing particular things that happened to be actually for a study with regard to neurologic impairment. And I was working with people doing inhalation neural toxicology before I was doing radiofrequency radiation bioeffects. But the fact that I was there and had access to the Countway Library, which is the library at the medical school at Harvard, meant that I had access literally to every study that had ever been published in this field in the entire world. And so I was digging all of these out thanks to my mentor's allowance of me to do this. So it was very powerful. I think it's important for people to know, first of all, if we're talking about radiofrequency radiation bioeffects, and we'll explain that a little bit better in a bit, there are close to 25,000 studies in this area. This is a very, very, very well-studied area, and for good reason. 
because of its weaponry potential. That's why governments and also private corporations have been funding research on this for decades, literally since 1927, as far as we know, and possibly arguably with some pulse modulation studies even long before that. So this is a field that has been studied for almost a century. Mm. And it's very well studied. Just to give you a sense of how many studies, 25,000 studies really is, my mentor was the, and is the world expert on lead bioeffects. And I asked him one time, how many studies are there on lead? And he said, well, there are fewer than 10,000. Now, if you go to any public health scientist or public health policy person in the U.S. and you say to them, what hazard are we really most sure is a hazard? Some of them will say tobacco smoke, by which they really mean cigarette smoking. But most of them will say lead. And that's because they know lead the best. And they think that lead is best studied. But in fact, there are more than twice as many studies of radiofrequency radiation bioeffects as there are of lead. Wow. And if you ask them, well, how are we that sure? They will tell you it's because of the number of studies. The number of studies is criterion, for whatever reason, in determining how sure we are that something is a hazard. So we are really, really sure <laughs> that radiofrequency radiation is a hazard. Indeed, even the industry groups like IEEE, which is the Institute for Electrical and Electronic Engineers, call this a hazard. They do. They call it a hazard themselves. I mean, they're the guys who, like on their radiofrequency engineer, the RF engineer types, they get on top of buildings with antennas and put in new antennas or take out old ones and fix them and do things like that. So they really, really know that this is a hazard because some of their colleagues have been electrocuted up there. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, there's obviously a long paper trail here, and it seems like the biological effects of radio frequency radiation is a well-studied area. I guess, how dangerous is radio frequency and electric radiation? Does it take something as concentrated as 5G, which everybody's worried about? Does it take something to that level to do damage? Or have electrical currents and radio waves been affecting us to some degree all along? That's a really good question. And I'm so, so glad you asked because it's profound. And it has to do with our natural biological electrochemistry, which in the Orient, they call qi or qi, right? Mm -hmm. Chinese call it qi. Perhaps some listeners have studied some martial arts and are familiar with this concept of qi, of the body's own natural electrical energy. And in, for example, in Eastern philosophy of the human body existing between heaven and earth. In other words, there's an electrical current that comes down like lightning does and kind of takes us, if we're standing, it comes in through the head and moves down through the body at the speed of light and goes to ground, uses the body as a conduit. If people talk about in martial arts as deriving energy from the earth's core, from, from the earth itself, there are people who are chi healers or energy healers. Chi is something that is electricity, but it's natural electricity. And the difference between, for example, the electromagnetism that comes from the sun in all wavelengths and frequencies, same thing, is vastly different than the unnatural electricity and electromagnetism that's generated by way of electrical grids, the so-called smart grid, which is really called the advanced metering infrastructure grid, and 
various devices, wireless devices and their infrastructures. Huge, huge difference. One of the big differences is that, for example, with even 3G, 4G, as well as 5G, these are third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation wireless. These involve modulation of a wave. It's not just nice, pretty sine wave, analog wave, <laughs> as comes in from the sun to a certain extent. This is chopped up wave. It's with spikes in it. These spikes are literally audible and visible if you use certain kinds of meters, certain measuring meters to look at this. So this is something that is produced. And the reason why these devices use pulse modulation, and some of them also use frequency modulation, which FM, pulse modulation is PM, and some people are familiar with AM, which is amplitude modulation. Amplitude modulation is actually the general term, and pulse modulation is when the amplitude goes from nothing to everything, nothing to everything. Okay, so it's a form of amplitude modulation. Sorry to be so technical. No. In any case, okay. uh, <laughs> but it's that modulation of the wave that is so xenobiotic, so foreign to life, so highly unnatural that it makes it utterly different from any radiation that is known to humankind. For example, Dr. Henry Lai, who's retired but was a researcher, a toxicology researcher at University of Washington in this field for his career, he says there's no radiation like this in the entire universe. Now, that's a really strong statement, but he makes it because that's how vastly different this radiation is. This is not like radiation from the sun. And by the way, the specific wavelengths that we're usually talking about that are so hazardous are not just generally radio frequency radiation, but they're specifically microwave radiation, which is a wavelength of anything from a meter, which is about 39 inches. Please use your hands and actually put them out at 39 inches right now, and then down to a millimeter, which is a tiny fraction of an inch, like mm. less than a 16th of an inch. Right. Okay, so this size wavelength is in what I call the size of life. And here's the key point. As a wavelength approaches body part size, the absorption of that radiation increases exponentially. And not only that, it increases exponentially toward resonance. Resonance is where the body part becomes effectively an antenna. It's buzzing with it. Okay, so, for example, back in 1997, I was talking with an engineer, an RF engineer, radio frequency engineer from Macomb Microwave Corporation in Burlington, Massachusetts. And he said to me in this tone of voice, they couldn't have picked the worst wavelength for the cell phone system. That's the size of the human head. Okay, now the human head, even one human head has many, many different dimensions, depending how you measure it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this diagonal, that diagonal across here, across there. But all of those dimensions are sort of within that range of probably, depending how you look at it, or the human brain, you know, like an adult brain, maybe from, I don't know, three inches to eight inches or something like that, depending how you measure, right? It's in that range. It's also what we would call a centimeter wavelength range. And 
children's brains and heads, of course, are of smaller dimensions yet, babies' brains. So fascinatingly, in the 1930s, the Russian scientists who were looking into radiofrequency radiation bioeffects thought, or they posited, that centimeter microwaves, or we could call them maybe in the U.S., inch wavelengths in the range of some inches, the Russians believed that these wavelengths were the mechanism for psychic activity, for psychic intuitive activity, for mind reading and that sort of thing. Hmm. It's a fascinating proposal. Right. If it is, if there is some sort of psychic capacity that is native to ourselves, or we could say perhaps a chi capacity, or even a spiritual capacity that is physically based in centimeter microwaves, then the worst thing we could possibly do, the most disempowering thing that could ever be done to us would be to fill our atmosphere and our brains and our bodies with unnatural, xenobiotic, foreign-to-life centimeter microwaves that are pulse-modulated and all chopped up and that are going to chop up in turn and mess up our own natural, native electricity and chi. Mm, that is so interesting because I've had previous guests who talk about kind of the history of the deep state and some of these installations they've used. And they've talked about the fact that they've gone to like nuclear test facilities or nuclear silos, old silos, and actually use those for some experiments because they have a kind of a natural Faraday cage around them. They're built to block out some of those radiations. So that would be perfect for those types of psychic experiments, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. So, I mean, that seems to just be another little dot that connects. But yeah, these radiation signals being bathed in them probably is not good for even knowing the full range of what we're capable of mentally. Yeah, there are also some people still in Southeast Asia, older men mostly who are martial arts masters and who are saying that this type of chi, this type of power is disappearing from the earth. Well, why is it disappearing? It's because there's too much of this unnatural radiation that's interfering with it on the surface of Earth. And I want to say one other thing, too. This size of life, microwave radiation, from a meter down to a millimeter or a little less than a millimeter, this size of life radiation in its natural form from cosmic sources, from the sun and stars, almost none of it reaches Earth because it's so easily absorbable by water and OH negative molecules in the atmosphere. So it's very difficult for waves of this size even to get down to Earth. That's precisely the reason why certain things like certain broadcasts like TV and Wi-Fi and so forth can work here and radio also because almost none of that radiation, including other radio frequency radiation, even gets to Earth's surface in the first place. There's none of it here. And so I say, why is it that life grew up in the sizes that it did? Everything from, you know, a single cell organism to a dinosaur. Those things are the sizes of life. And it's those size wavelengths that are almost non-existent on Earth's surface naturally. Wow. 
seems to connect to so many different areas. And we're talking about how bad this general radio frequency radiation is for biological life. And now there's a lot of talk about 5G in particular. And 5G is a completely different beast, right? I mean, it's a broader spectrum than we've ever seen. Even if the older stuff was damaging, this is kind of a next level situation, right? Well, it's not just next level. It goes beyond everything that has ever been done in all of human history combined. Wow. See, there are various factors that contribute to bioeffects. One of them, as I'm stating to you, is wavelength. As you have a wavelength that approaches a body part size, especially a very important body part like brain, heart, lungs, kidneys, liver, testes, you know, important body parts, right? As you have a wavelength that approaches those body part sizes, then you have increased absorption, exponentially increased absorption. So you have much more absorption. And remember how I said that this radiation is naturally absorbed by water molecules, right? Right. And our bodies are almost entirely moisture. Yeah. So our bodies are like the ultimate sponges for this radiation. So when it's generally sprayed, if you will, into our atmosphere by way of infrastructure, cell towers and antennas that are all over the place, we are walking around absorbing, absorbing, absorbing this. And guess what? Well, as we absorb it, it's not being used for any of its purported purposes, is it? Because what happens to most of this radiation is that living beings absorb it. Not for devices. It's less than 1%. With all the devices that are out there, less than 1% is ever used for a device. The rest of it is all absorbed by our bodies. So really, what is it purpose to do? You know, And I want to go back, actually, to answer an earlier question that I didn't address adequately, because you were talking also about electricity, like unnatural electricity, like grid electricity. Right. And you can just imagine these engineers back around 1920 who are just thinking, how are we going to deliver electricity to all of these houses in Europe and in the U.S.? And their conception at the time was, well, we'll have like a power company here. I should really say electricity company. We'll have some sort of generation place here and we'll send it out over wires and it will come back. The circuit will complete itself and it will, you know, but we'll go out over miles and miles and miles and miles of territory. So they had to set up many, many, many poles and wires endlessly, right, to make this grid. And I actually have friends who remember when the electricity first went on and you could see which houses along the block had it because they would have lights on at night. Now, by the way, what does light on at night do to human beings? Well, not just light, but all radio frequency radiation suppresses our very important hormone called melatonin. Melatonin is a free radical scavenger. That means it cleanses our bodies overnight. It's what gives us a good night's rest overnight, and then it allows us to feel energetic. It allows us to be productive and have good cognition and to be able to think clearly and effectively and efficiently the next day. So melatonin is super, super important. And when we don't, when our bodies don't generate enough of it overnight, then we're tired, fatigued. Also, we're more attention deficit and hyperactive the next day because we kind of have to keep ourselves hyper in order to keep going. And some people, as you know, most people, it's unfortunate, will do caffeine in the morning 
to counter the effect of not having enough melatonin naturally the night before. So what's impeding our melatonin? It's all of this radiofrequency radiation, particularly microwave radiation in our atmosphere that's unnatural. So anyway, I did want to return to one other thing, though. So back in the 1920s, imagine all these engineers setting this system out. I mean, today we would call it bad engineering. This is crazy. You have an electric company here, and you're sending this out for like miles and miles, tens of miles, 100 miles. You're going to send that electricity out. You're going to lose a lot along the way. And then it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just have a particular type of energy generation right on that house? Or I should say electrical generation, if that's what the house should have. Right. Solar panels, wind, water, whatever it is that you want to do, create the energy or the electricity rather right there on the spot. And then you don't have to send it anywhere and lose it along the way. But that's what they were thinking. So I actually had a friend who worked at the MIT Gravitational Lab in the 1980s and 90s. And he told me in 1992, I believe it was that his colleagues had told him there at the gravitational lab that back in the early 20s, people were trying to figure out whether they should use 50 hertz, 50 cycles per second for the electrical system, as was being used in Europe and still used there, or whether to use 60 hertz. And initially there was some 50 hertz in the U.S. They switched to 60 hertz because in the experiments that are never published, they found that 60 hertz was more efficient at killing people more quickly, and they wanted to be able to use it for capital punishment. (laughs) Man. So I guess for some people who might be listening to this, they might say, well, I've had a cell phone for almost 10 years, or I've lived near power lines my whole life, or I've got a Wi-Fi router right in my room and I feel fine. How do people know they're being damaged or they might not notice it immediately? Right. Well, of course, because the radiation generally in people's lives has encroached very gradually, most times, not always, there is a general psychological adjustment to the kinds of symptoms that start to come on. And of course, people refer to what do they call it? Senior moments. What are senior moments? I mean, that's cognitive impairment. And that cognitive impairment is probably influenced by the pulse-modulated microwave radiation all around you. Or if you're not sleeping as well, or if you need to use caffeine in the morning to get going. All of these things are indications that your body is not working like it should. And then, of course, people just attribute it to, well, I'm just getting older. Why do they do that? It's because they're told to do it. It's because it's in commercials. It's what medical doctors are told to say to their patients with this word idiopathy, right? Something is idiopathic. What does idiopathic mean? Idio is self and pathic or pathology is something bad is going on, right? So something bad that's going on is blamed upon the self. It's just yourself. You are just wrong. Maybe it's in your genes, right? You're supposed to think, oh, it's just my genetics. Uh, my family has a history of blah, blah, blah. So it's just in my gene. No, that is false. Okay. And there are a number of us who watched how this movement occurred in the 1990s, early 90s, to switch over from, you know, there are exogenous or external reasons 
things generating harm upon the body by way of various xenobiotic foreign to life causes that are outside of oneself. Could be biological agents, it could be chemical agents, nuclear agents, right? Or electromagnetic agents, or even other kinds of things like noise pollution, which is mechanical vibration pollution. Many, many different things that are outside of you, my dear listener, are affecting you and you don't even know what they are and you can't attribute them properly in part because some of them are invisible and inaudible and impalpable. And where they are so invisible, of course, that's what perfect weapon. Mm. So here, for example, in 2010, Bill Gates gave a TED Talk. You can look it up on YouTube, in which he laid out what he called the problem of human overpopulation. And he said, by a certain year, we're going to be at such and such billion. And this is a terrible problem. And we need to solve this. We need to bring down human population. And he said, but I have hope that we can bring down human population by 15% for four reasons. Now, the four reasons that he gave were vaccines. Right. Oh, that will bring down population? <laughs> sure does. Absolutely. Just check out the ingredients in vaccines. They're not anything you'd ever put in your mouth. So why would you have it shot into your bloodstream? Okay. He says the new healthcare legislation in the U.S., by which he meant Obamacare. Hmm, why would that be? Possibly the rationing starting in ages 70s and above, or, or could it be something else? He said human reproductive care. Now, that can mean everything from, for example, a consent abortion to other kinds of contraception to forced sterilizations, such as happened in the Philippines and elsewhere around the world, which is very, very contrary to human rights law. And the fourth thing he said was, it was fascinating. He didn't use the word, okay, because back at that time, nobody was supposed to use the word. He said, quote, the new programs to control global warming, unquote. What are those new programs? They're geoengineering programs. There are things that involve the change of weather, the change even of potentially climate, the intentional change of these things. So geoengineering was his fourth on the list. I believe personally that the influx, the huge influx by just trillions of times, higher levels of radiofrequency radiation in Earth's atmosphere are part of a greater geoengineering program to bring down human population. Now, Bill Gates is not the only one speaking of this. He's part of a larger group called the Good Group, which was led by David Rockefeller, who supposedly died recently. And this group of double-digit billionaires are appointed to figure out ways to bring down human population. The thing is, if someone were, for example, to be able to, and I hate to put it this way, but kill off a number of people in a very poor, very overpopulated area of the world, arguably something like say, Kolkata or Uganda or something, people say overpopulated. I don't like to use that word because it means killing innocent people right. is what it ultimately results in, right? So I, I, I hesitate even to articulate it in their way. But if someone were to have a program like that, what happens when such people die? There's not a whole lot of money that comes 
from out of those people. They don't leave much behind when they die. What happens, however, when the same number of, let's say, middle-class Americans die? You've got a lot more assets, property, land, real estate. You've got all sorts of other assets that can be tapped into, even if estate planning is all in place. And so it's a lot more lucrative to get rid of that many middle-class Americans or Europeans, for example, or Chinese or whatever, than it is to go after the poor. I mean, it's, it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible way to think. But just for a moment, think in the way that, let's say, the Committee of 300, the wealthiest bankers in the world think. These are people who we would call as moral people, we would call them psychopaths. They don't think of themselves, I'm sure, as such, but they feel that they're being practical in eliminating humans from the planet. But I think most of us would realize that every human who is here has value and we need to tap into that value and not presume that someone is just an extra mm -hmm. or unworthy of being here. We all have a right to be here. We all have a right to our bodily security. That's Article 3 of the Declaration of Human Rights, the International Declaration. That's a legally conferred right, but of course we all feel that right internally as an inherent right as well. Well said. And you're right. It is important to see the world the way the elites see it, to wrap our heads around what's going on from their perspective. And, you know, you were talking about cell phones and things of the past, things we've already dealt with. And I've got a friend whose father is retiring from the medical community. And apparently he gets together with his other retired doctor friends and they all talk about how they're getting out of the field right when they're seeing this increase in brain cancer and people coming in with brain tumors. And they're all sitting around having drinks like, yep, these cell phones, you know, that's the next thing everybody's going to really be aware of has been damaging them for a long time. And then sure enough, you also sent me something that talks about the uh, $25 million national toxicology program that was put in place to study radio frequency radiation and cell phones and that it causes cancer. And they said, yeah, it absolutely can cause cancer. And that was only when we had 2G. So that was several generations ago and the frequency has increased, the wavelengths have increased. And uh, you think, you know, we're not going to have the same problems exacerbated? Right. Well, the thing is, cancer has been known for decades as an outcome of radiofrequency radiation exposure. So it's no surprise. And in a sense, we didn't need National Toxicology Program to, you know, start from scratch study. But I mean, the fact that they're doing it, I feel very, very sorry for the mice or rats. I think it's rats that are involved because they're suffering terribly. And I, I think we need to listen to the suffering of others, even if they are others that are different from us, and even if they are others that we don't identify with well, or whom we've been taught to hate or despise. We need to listen to their suffering, because that's the key to turning this whole program around. We need to listen to the suffering, pay attention, saying, no, we don't want suffering. See, it's not just a matter of life and death. What comes in between is suffering. I think, you know, I'm not a Buddhist, but I really like the fact that the very first line of their spiritual book is life is suffering. But does it have to be? Can we undo that suffering? Can we prevent and avert suffering and alleviate suffering? 
that's where our moral responsibility is. And when we start undoing that, unraveling the suffering, then we come to a position of life. Mm -hmm. That's our opportunity. I agree. So I want to say also with regard to this electromagnetic spectrum, we should think of it as something absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And we tend to only think of this tiny, tiny little portion of the spectrum that we can see, the visible light portion, you know, Roy G. Biv, right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. We think of that as visual beauty, right? But people who have died and then been resuscitated, if they have had experiences on that other side or in that state without a body, you know, or whatever it is, they often report seeing different colors than they had ever seen before. And that's how we can consider the rest of this electromagnetic spectrum. It should be absolutely gorgeous. You know, beyond violet, we have UVA, ultraviolet A, ultraviolet B. We have alpha, beta, gamma rays. We've got the X-rays. We've got cosmic rays, you know, all on that side. And that's what they call sometimes the ionizing radiation portion of the spectrum. Now, the other side of visible light, starting from red, you know, then we have Infrared and infrared is a huge spectrum, far, far larger than the tiny bit of light that we're able to see with our eyes. And just beyond that is microwave radiation. And then we have other kinds of radio frequency radiation. A lot of people are very familiar with UHF and VHF, you know, ultra high frequency and very high frequency because those are the wavelengths that are used for TV. And UHF also is used for cell phones. And then beyond that, we have super high frequency and extreme high frequency. So this is where we're starting to get into some of the frequencies or wavelengths for 5G. Okay, so let me tell you about 5G now, because as I said, it's unprecedented. It's beyond anything that has ever, in a horrific way, beyond anything that has ever happened on the surface of this earth. 5G involves 15 different wavelengths. One of them is a 20-inch wavelength, approximately. It's about 600 megahertz. So if you put your hands, please, at a 20, approximately 20-inch distance. And, and keep in mind what I said before about how as a wavelength approaches body part size, that absorption in that body part increases exponentially. So imagine a body in which that 20-inch wave would be just perfectly absorbed, perhaps in a child who is 20 inches tall, baby, who is 20 inches tall, right? And then imagine how deeply that 20-inch wave penetrates our bodies. And we're talking here in orders of magnitude. So anything that's two times this or three times or four times the 20 inches or half or a quarter or an eighth or so forth, these are the realms of resonances for that 20-inch wave. Okay, beyond that, then there are four different wavelengths of two to four inches. Guess what organs those two to four inch waves target? Brain, heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, thymus, thyroid, genitalia. The most critical organs in our bodies, and not just in our bodies, in animal bodies, of course, and in plant bodies, two to four inches, critical wavelengths. And that is the realm, by the way, or a little bigger than that, of Wi-Fi and the microwave oven targeting our organs. Okay, and then beyond that, there are 10 more wavelengths from about a half inch down to about a tenth of an inch. 
These are called millimeter microwaves. Now, millimeter microwaves are so tiny that they're just absorbed so easily by the environment. I mean, they can't travel very far at all, especially not on, say, a rainy day or even with a little humidity in the atmosphere, right? You start to get some snow somewhere or <laughs> you're not going to get transmission. And yet, get this, the purveyors of 5G are boasting, oh, we're going to do online surgery, surgery from a distance, right? One guy's working on a computer in one location and across the country. The surgery's happening by way of the knives somewhere else. And they think that somehow they're going to use 5G with a 20-inch wave and then, you know, two to four-inch waves. No, those waves don't travel that. I mean, they, these are waves that are very seriously and easily impeded by humidity in the atmosphere. It's not going to work. Indeed, the large Russian telecom called MTS rejected 5G entirely, saying it doesn't work. And even people within the industry in the U.S. say it doesn't work. It can't work. It's dysfunctional. So the whole thing, first of all, is a myth. It's a lie. It's fraud. It's not going to work. So if it's not going to work really for communications, what does it work for? Right. What's the real agenda there? It works for arming people. Mm -hmm. It works for impairing their thinking, their cognition, their capacity to be, their capacity to be calm and blissful and happy. It causes them to be more agitated, to not be able to think clearly or rationally, to be ultimately violent, to have ADD, ADHD, and then to have heart problems and immune problems and cancer. Right. That's what 5G is effective at doing. And we've seen several situations over the past few years where there's been some type of shooter and a, you know, a big mass shooting and they'll say things like leading up to this, I felt like somebody was in, you know, getting into my head or they'll go into the police station a few days before and there's reports where they say, Hey, something's not right. I feel like there's signals going into my brain. And then a few days later they shoot up a room and they don't know why they did it. And I mean, these could be test cases for this type of technological rollout. And actually I've heard you say that in the public health science papers, you actually see words like harvest right there in the literature. And that should be a real clue to the motivations yeah, you know, it was a strange word when I first encountered it decades ago. And I'm thinking, whoa, <laughs> using this word harvest for human deaths. And I just felt that it was very, very strange. And now I see that it's very, very intentional. The intention is to do a harvest. And I encourage everyone, by the way, in this line of thinking, to look at various videos of Hurricane Harvey in particular where you can see that people were harvested. I, I have to tell you something right now that seems unrelated, but I think it is. It will bring the point home. My dear friend, Bill Mitchell, whom I knew from L.A., he was a kind of old hippie pipe who had smoked a lot of pot. I've actually never done that. And he got a pulmonary disease, right? Obstructive pulmonary disease. And had to move to Northern California to live with his family there because of this breathing problem, which caused him, by the way, ironically, to warn everyone never to smoke pot. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so one day he was 
out salmon fishing on a river out there in Northern California. And there was another guy salmon fishing and brought the fish in. And that evening they were just talking, sitting around the campfire. And the other guy was from Louisiana. And the guy from Louisiana started telling my friend, Bill, oh, yeah, you know, he boasted thus. He said, oh, you know, and Katrina, we killed over 10,000 black people. Jeez. And Bill said, no. No, you couldn't have done that. And this guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, we did. He said, no, you couldn't have done it. Yes, I did. You know, and Bill said, no, there's no way you can hide that many bodies. He said, sure, there is. We dumped them in late points of troll, something like that. And, and Bill said, no, the bodies would float. You'd see them. He said, no, no, no. We took those bodies. We cut them up in the fish cutting machines on the boats and dumped them in for the alligators to eat. What? Wow. Now, at that time, Congresswoman Cynthia McKinney was calling for a congressional investigation of the fact that over 5,000 Black Americans were reported missing after Katrina. This is a very large number of people to be reported missing, okay? And so, of course, Congress did nothing. Now, I was... I sometimes I'm skeptical, but I, I want to be a rational scientist and a rational human being. I want to think clearly and not just believe what I want to believe, right? We have an in academic philosophy. We have this word called akrasia, a Greek word that it's kind of, kind of like wishful thinking or when you believe you're, you're led to believe the things that you kind of are inclined or want to believe. All right. So I have a heavy resistance to believing things that are comfortable and that just feel good. And we should always ask ourselves as a discipline, am I believing this because I kind of want to, because it feels good? Or am I believing this because I really ought to? Right. Okay. Let's keep our beliefs as clear and as rational as we can, because truth is the greatest place of safety. It's the only place of safety. Please let me say that again, please. Truth is the only place of even marginal safety, mm -hmm. okay? So we need to be very disciplined in our thinking and not fall prey to akrasia. In any case, so I inquired, I, I met up with another man from Louisiana, a white man, and I said to him, you know, I, I've heard this story. Have you heard anything like this from out of Louisiana? And he said, oh, everybody in Louisiana knows about that. Now, obviously, there are a lot of people in Louisiana. Maybe not everybody knows, but there are certainly would have been more than two people working on those fishing boats if this really happened. And of course, it may not be the only way that people die. But even this morning, I noticed reports, people reporting who were on the ground and in the waters at Hurricane Harvey in Texas, that officials were allowing, quote, bodies to just flow out to sea. Hmm. so that they wouldn't be counted. Wow. So you create the chaos of a storm, and obviously that's going to kill a lot of people on its own, but you have like campaigns within that to be even more efficient, it seems. Yeah. I, I, this, this is why I think we need to be very clear on the concept of this harvesting notion that is an official word within public health science, you know, getting rid of people, how do people get gotten rid of, right? Because public health science is the field that's supposed to be saving people and preserving life and creating a nice, healthy, long life, right? And instead has been co-opted in many ways to do the opposite. 
people say, well, how come I don't know about this? Or doctors, especially medical doctors, well, you know, I don't know anything about it, so therefore it can't be true. I mean, it's amazing the way doctors are that arrogant, but I, I run into it all the time, right? I mean, these are doctors usually who they have never been had a single course in toxicology. They don't read and have never read a single toxicology journal, and yet they're so sure of their opinions, okay? In any case, I just want to say that of the 25,000 studies of radiofrequency radiation that exist, I've probably read a thousand, which is more than just about anybody in the world has read. I mean, I'm up there with the people who read the most number of studies, right? But it's not just a matter of reading them. A lot of people will read the title and the abstract, and then they'll give up, right? They'll read the title, abstract, the intro, and the conclusions, and then that's it. What you find often with these studies, and the reason why you have to read them carefully is that in the body of the study, the methods and materials portion, you find that the actual data contradict the title, intro, abstract, and conclusions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you have to really read it because there is such a heavy pressure to ensure the ignorance of professionals like medical doctors and even public health scientists themselves. And I'll, I'll illustrate that with just one thing. Back in the early 90s, I was appointed to ghostwrite a chapter section on radiofrequency radiation because I was the person who knew most about this at Harvard. And so I was going ahead. I was writing. I still have what I was writing at the time. And I called the editor of the journal who lived in Newton, Massachusetts. I called him at his home because I had a question. And he kind of cut me off and he said, well, we've decided that we can't really do this. The whole article has to only fit on like one inch on the page. One inch of text for what at that time was 20,000 studies. Wow. And yet they would have a whole chapter in that particular textbook, which happens to be one of the two textbooks used by Harvard to train medical doctors to become public health scientists. They had like an entire chapter on just stress. And so why then do people feel like, well, if I don't feel bad, it's because of stress. And then they mix stress with stressors. And stressors could be anything, exogenous agents, internal agents. So they, they just mess up the language. So no one understands what the terms even mean, right? Mm -hmm or they call radiofrequency radiation a potentially a stressor. Okay, if it's a stressor, then the person is stressed. And it's the stress that's hurting them physically. No, it's not how it works. The radiofrequency radiation directly, primarily, affects the body at every level, at the whole body level, at the organ level, at the cellular level, at the molecular level. Mm. Right. And I've heard you use the term ecogenocide. I mean, that is a great term to describe the full spectrum attack on vegetable, animal, human, like the entire planet is affected by this. It's like creating an entirely different environment than what's natural. Exactly. And I think that part of the crux of that is where you see that people who do farming, whether at the yard farming or small farming level or at the large level, are having a really difficult time of it. Because there are complete, unpredictable storms or other weather types that are just completely unnatural, that are actually human-caused, directly caused, intentionally caused 
by way of geoengineering, by the way, not just the so-called vague climate change that you could never bring in a court of law because you can't have any proof. There is no proof. There is no substance, right? And the data points disagree, okay? Mm -hmm. They conflict. But this human-generated or military-generated, I should say, stuff called geoengineering. You ask the farmers and, you know, they can't grow like they used to grow or they're being stopped by some law or regulation that disallows them from doing what they've been doing for 100 years. Or a homeowners association decides that people can't grow tomatoes in their backyard. It's just nuts. It's crazy stuff. And there are so many attacks on the capacity to grow food that then we look at the larger picture and we see how geoengineering involves for example, the releases of sulfur dioxide. Well, sulfur dioxide is very, very harmful to breathe. It's very harmful for animals, for plants, and also aluminum, right? Aluminum in the chaff sometimes, which is chaff is fiberglass coated aluminum particulates, usually nanoparticulates. And sometimes paper, nanopaper or micropaper is attached to that so that it will stay afloat in the air longer. So we have this aluminum and fiberglass and potentially paper also coated particulates falling to ground and we're breathing these things. And then meanwhile, the media are promoting, oh, there's flu season. There never used to be any such thing as a flu season. Flu season doesn't exist. They want us to believe it exists, right? Just like they want us to believe that hurricane season exists. There are certain times when more hurricanes could occur, but never like this before. So what they do is they take a hurricane that's out there and they enhance it and then they direct it. This is technology that exists. So this is a huge hit on plant life and food. It's a total eco-genocide. That is the clear intention of the wealthiest people on the planet. And somehow all of us have to get that turned around. If we join together, if we unite together, we have a chance of turning it all around. I want to talk for a moment about this organization. I think it's called Unite Foundation or something. It's based in the Netherlands, and it was started by a guy named Ronald Bernard, a fascinating person who was working as a financier for some of the wealthiest people in the world, and over time being asked to do things that were shady and more and more wrong, and eventually something happened that caused him to completely break away from them, which he describes in a beautiful and amazing interview, if you look up Ronald Bernard interview in English audio. Right. He talks about the sacrifice of children, I believe, even. Well, it, it is in part. Yeah. And he saw and realized things that were just horrific. And he said that these people at the top of the heap, and I don't like to call them elite, by the way, I think that we've been misled We've been misled, called Illuminati, right? Which they're not illuminated mm -hmm. <laughs> at all, right? These people are psychopaths, let's be clear, okay? So what they call themselves, interestingly, is Luciferians, and that's their kind of religion, and they go to what they call churches of Satan and whatever that, you know, whatever you may think of that is whatever you may think of that. That's what they call it themselves. And they do these rituals, and those rituals involve some sacrifice of animals and humans. In any case, he broke away. They started torturing him. He almost died. He had something of what we might call a near-death experience and came back, 
was resuscitated. He literally saw the doctors working on him and came back. It took him a long, long time to recover. But now he is saying that we all, as humans, it is, this is an all-out attack on all life, on people, on animals, plants, the environment. We need to all unite. And so what do the billionaires and trillionaires of the world try to do? They try to separate us. They try to create fictional scenarios that would divide and conquer us. We can't fall for that stuff. So here's how we don't fall for it. Everyone who's listening to me, please, if you haven't stopped watching TV yet, stop now. Please put your TV in some place where you cannot access it, where nobody in your family can access it, storage locker, a garage, give it away, sell it something, do anything to stop watching TV. It's super important. The reason is you can't simply filter out things that might be false or misleading or that might put you in a mood that you shouldn't be in naturally. The level of mind control of TV is too deep, too well honed for any human to be able to take control over it. You can simply say to yourself, well, I don't believe this in the news because that's not, no, watching the so-called news at all, you're getting brainwashed and worse, you're being distracted. See, you're being sucked up into things like, oh, a storm is coming. And you're all sucked up into that storm that might not even be in your own area, right? Right. When there's a much bigger storm coming that they don't want you to know about. It's called 5G and it's called geoengineering. Mm. And if you're not focused on the real danger, on the worst danger, because you're distracted by the so-called news and the exciting sensationalism of a storm and what it's doing in some island in the Caribbean that you've never been to, if that's where your head is at, you are so distracted that you will never be able to protect yourself by any means, nor will you be able to protect your family or anybody else. Look, here I am, right? I had a spiritual experience back in the 90s sometime. I think it was early 90s. I was very, very ill from a pesticide exposure. It was an algaecide exposure, actually. And I was simply in a lake that I didn't know had just been algaecided. It had been killed the day before, literally killed. Everything in the lake had been killed the day before. I got some water down my lungs by floating when a boat went by. My foot squished two dead fish apart on the bottom. That's how I first got shocked into realizing that there were no live fish anymore in this lake, that there had always been. I didn't learn until long after the fact what had actually happened. In the meantime, I became so ill as to nearly die more times than I could count. I lost count of the near death. And in the years that followed, I was realizing, you know, I'm never going to have a life. I'm never going to have a career. I'm never going to have a child. I'm never going to do these things that I had always wanted in my life as a woman because I was that sick all the time and I wasn't getting well. I wasn't getting better. I can tell you in a moment how I did get better. Yeah. But just for this moment, here I was realizing as a young person that I was never going to do this or that. I mean, it, and a lot of people go through this, like people who are in their teens and 20s and they have a vaccine and it ruins their life and they have to realize at that age that suddenly their life is over. Is that effectively? 
you know, all that they had worked for, for, you know, through, through school and for everything they had done, everything they had prepared for is now gone. All their hopes are gone. That's how I felt. So it was a very difficult and depressing time. And as I was thinking about these things, it was as if the great spirit or Holy Spirit or whatever you want to call it. In Native American philosophy, we call it great spirit. I'm part Native American. Told me, if you will, if you don't mind my putting it this way. Sure. All the people in the world are your children. And I cried because here I had been worried about not having even, you know, one child of my own. And great spirit told me, I have billions of children. Mm. I don't have anything to worry about. Powerful message. Can we all embrace each other as each other's children and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers? We really all are one at base. Please don't just take care of yourself. Please don't just take care of your family. Don't just take care of your community. Please embrace the whole world, not just humans either. Embrace the animals. And that means even the rats and the mice that are being sacrificed or ritually tortured for these scientific experiments that actually are completely unnecessary because we already knew, number one, we already had all the evidence to know that radio frequency microwave radiation, especially when modulated, causes cancer. We already That was already done, okay? That was in the scientific literature. We already had that. And number two, we could have reasonably understood it anyway because things that are xenobiotic, that are foreign to life, that are foreign to the living system, are going to irritate it. And the more that, that they continue endlessly without cessation, 24-7, 365, of course, they must break down the biological system. So we have to get rid of them. We have to get rid of all wireless stuff. And that's a wonderful message. Please embrace it while you embrace the now 8 billion people on the planet. Please embrace 8 billion Please embrace the fact that we're going to get and need to get rid of all wireless radiation. We need to get rid of all geoengineering. We need to get rid of all toxic chemicals. And this is a great thing. This is a happy thing. Mm -hmm. Love it. So, Susan, just to wrap up kind of that story, how did you get better? And is it maybe something that other people could use to help themselves in these kind of situations? Yeah, absolutely. And I need to remind myself of this message again too so thank you for asking it's about embracing with 100 percent total commitment what your mission is on earth whether it's a part-time mission or full-time or whether it's just something that is for this day this moment of the year whatever that mission is whatever the guidance is that you feel that you ought to be doing that you ought listen to the oughts right what i ought i to be doing and do it. Embrace it and do it. Don't fear it. Don't fear asking the question. Ask the great spirit, you know, what is it? What's my purpose here? Because I'll tell you something. If you get to the end of your life and you've just gone along watching TV, watching the news, right? And doing some fun things and doing what was predicted of you. Okay, get married, have kids, have a job, blah, 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 blah. You're going to be disappointed on your deathbed. But if you actually follow these inner leadings and you bravely go out and you do what you feel that you ought to do, you are going to feel great about yourself, great about your life, and you're going to get well. Okay. The irony for me was that 
I started going back and forth from like the Boston area to Washington, D.C. That was a 12-hour trip. I couldn't use any air conditioning. I couldn't use any heat in my car or anything like that because I was too chemically sensitive at the time to do anything like that. So even in the dead of winter, in ice storms, I would hold my hand on the window so I'd have one tiny little piece of window that I could see through so I could drive all the way to Washington, D.C. If I had a $20 bill to my name because I had no money, no income at that time, if somehow I had a $20 bill, I would head to Washington knowing that somehow someone would give me $20 to, to get back. Okay, mm. that's all it cost at that time for gas and tolls, believe it or not. And I didn't need anything. And miracles would happen along the way. If you're following this kind of spiritual path, miracles will happen. Right. I've heard that before. Well, as we kind of start to wrap this up, can you tell people maybe the names of some of the groups and the resources that they could actually put their energy into and put their support behind that might make us a little more hopeful in a pretty dire situation? I think Scientists for Wired is a group that I thought was at least worth telling people about. You mentioned the importance of sticking with wired technology, and this is a group that is really advocating that, right? Scientists for Wired Tech, right? And that's scientists, the four is the number four, wired with a D on the end, tech, scientistsforwiredtech.com. And people might just be interested in looking at the site, which has not been updated for a very long time, but is a really good homepage. It's called emraction.day.org. And it just gives kind of an interesting introduction to the field in many, many different languages. So if you wanted to share it with somebody who doesn't speak English, that would be a good site. And on scientists, scientists for wired tech, you'll find a presentation that I gave to school board officials in Petaluma, California. It's only a six minute presentation. I had to speak faster than I've ever spoken in my life, but it's something that packs a lot of information into a small amount of time. So that might be helpful. And if people need a particular letter to send to officials, please remember, don't speak about your concerns or your worries or your alarm. Don't Your emotion doesn't count. Unfortunately, it doesn't count, okay? And precaution also, believe it or not, doesn't count. Why? Precaution infers that this field of science is, science is unknown. For example, if you cite the precautionary principle, that's actually international law, which I studied at Harvard. And that international law contains specifically the language that states that our scientific cause and effect relationships are not yet established. Well, that's not the case here. These scientific cause and effect relationships are established. We know that there's going to be nerve damage. There's going to be brain, brain cancer. There's going to be all sorts of cancers. There will be microwave sickness, as the Russians called it. That will happen. There will be cardiac effects. There will be ocular effects from 5G in particular. So the effects are established. We don't need to merely be precautionary. We need to stop this. We need to ban this. And it seems pretty dire. Obviously, in previous years, I've done plenty of shows about the big push for the new coiled fluorescent light bulbs and the big green revolution. And we've heard Ugh. from guests who talk about how bad it is to sit under those big tube lights in most office buildings. And, right. you know, now this is just a whole new beast. Right. You know, always question what people are from the new Earth Day organization now say, because they've all been carried over into this room that is mere greenwashing. And it's really fraudulent, you know, to say that wireless devices are a good technology. No, it's it's the worst. 
I mean, there are actually researchers who say that wireless radiation in the atmosphere is a worse pollutant than all of the chemicals that are currently polluting the earth. I mean, that's a very, very strong statement. And there are people who make that statement, you know, very, you know, prominent researchers who, who say that. So this is a very powerful pollutant. We need to get rid of all pollutants from our mother earth. And it is not our mother earth who is creating these horrific storms that are causing people suffering. That's not mother earth. And they're not a so-called act of God as the insurance companies call them. These are acts of human beings who are extremely wealthy and who want to get rid of a lot of people quickly. Mm -hmm. And we can stop them and we need to stop them. Amen. Well, Susan, this has been super enlightening. Also a little bit depressing. Uh, it seems like we can't really do much to, other than supporting groups like scientists for wiretech and fighting the legal battle, which sometimes doesn't work out that great for us. But, but let me suggest one more thing, if I may, sure, because sure. I never, never, ever do this on any of my radio shows. And I've never even thought of it until this moment. But, you know, those of us who are sort of on the front lines of this get targeted. For example, we just didn't have electricity for 10 days. Yes. Or internet or phone. Right. Right. We had to push this back. And it was just a small number of people just sort of on our block right here. And, you know, people start to feel, well, maybe it's her, you know, she's the one who's sort of leading these battles and maybe, maybe she caused all of us. Right. And there's a, a huge loss. For example, those of us who are working in these kinds of things, we're doing it as volunteers. Right. And I don't even have an organization of my own. I don't have anything to which people can contribute. I don't have income otherwise we suffer a lot we don't have money for things we need always you know don't have brakes in the car they don't work right can't get them replaced you know that kind of thing and every now and then there's a little angel who steps in and sends some help and that's basically how we survive and it's not predictable it's not anything that anybody can count on but i do this full time and i i am going to do it period you know whether whether there's any way to survive or not, or subsist or not. But just consider, if you're paying an internet bill and it's Wi-Fi, or if you're paying a phone bill, a cell phone bill, please consider instead getting rid of those wireless things and giving a little bit of that contribution, not just, not necessarily me, but but someone who's actually out there doing the real work and getting targeted for it. Mm -hmm. I think that's super wise. I mean, why not? This is really our only method of fighting back. And is there a more direct way that people can, you know, thank you for the research and work you've been doing or support you in particular? Or are you trying to stay a little more private than that? <laughs> I'm staying pretty much private. But if anyone would like to do that, and if you check them out, and you can give them my email address, my private email address, and if they if they feel like they'd like to help or if they need me to help them, we can connect. And that would be, I mean, any help would be very much appreciated and very properly used. Sure. Because I, I have never in my life paid a cell phone bill. Never would I waste such money. Never would I give money to the side that wants to kill off the population, not a cent. So you, you know that any anything that I would receive would be properly used. 
and not, and we, we have a non-toxic home. I would never, ever use a penny to pay for a, a cleaning chemical or a cosmetic chemical or anything like that. Right on. Well, sure. I'll definitely try to be that gatekeeper. It's a lot of responsibility and I'll, I'll do what I can, but you are a real champion of the people. Thanks so much for your dedication. Keep fighting the good fight, Susan, and take care out there. Thank you so much, Greg. You're wonderful. Thank you for your all your, your great insight into this. Ah, uh, you got it. Ben, the knee, ladies and gentlemen, Susan Clark. I am really happy I got this interview. I wish it was under slightly better conditions. I'm sure she does too, but it is what it is. Radio frequency radiation, not something everybody's talking about, not something we think about a lot, but probably it should be a bigger priority to us in the digital age. It's scary stuff, and I really don't want to go overboard with it. Clearly, conspiracy shows have been saying the sky is falling for years. This could just be the latest problem in a string of hundreds of pressing issues. I don't know. Humanity will probably survive, but we don't have to make it so damn difficult, do we? I think it's a real area to keep an eye on. And in higher side news, coming up are two excellent shows with real awesome guests, content, and call quality. And of course, the live show will be coming in some fashion. Tinfoil Hat just started their Patreon, so we were considering maybe reserving the video for plus members on my side and as an incentive to jumpstart their Patreon subscriptions on their side. Still not sure. We are talking about it, and some people might not like that, but given what we do put out for free, I don't think anybody should be complaining. We live in a capitalistic, Rothschild-Rockefeller, debt-based system of rule like everyone else, and... I don't ever ask for much. I just try to give you the best show I can. And on that note, I actually do think it's time to ask the audience for a little push. Obviously, we do pretty great just playing it as it lies. But I know so many other shows that make this whole spiel about review the show, share your favorite episodes, tell your favorite researchers that this is the show they need to be on, all that stuff. They make it a routine part of every intro and outro. And I think it's safe to say that I don't do this very often. And I know that if I did badger the audience with that, it would have an effect. But I'm hoping that once in a while is enough. It would be for me. So if you have a favorite episode, please give it a share if it's not too hot of a topic for you. And if it is, you don't have to share it on your own Facebook. Maybe go to a favorite subreddit or go into a forum that is conspiracy friendly and post your favorite episode. Because, you know, our friends and family see the things we post all the time. Let's go to where the enthusiasts for this type of material are and say, hey, do you know about the Higher Side Chats? If you don't want to do that, maybe go on to iTunes or whatever you listen through and give it a good review and a rating. These things control visibility of a show, for better or worse. So we occasionally do have to work that system. If you really got time to kill, also things like if you have a favorite quote from the Higher Side Chats lately, maybe make a meme of it to share or if you read a THC-themed article, post it on the subreddit for the show and keep that alive and active, whatever you might be willing to do. I know it's a lot to ask, but if you factor in all the time you've saved not hearing me do this every show, I think you still come out ahead if you do just one little thing. I think we could really use a shot in the arm, and I got a lot of good stuff on the way this month, and i just like it to have the best possible impact that it can. I don't think that's crazy. Another big thing, probably the biggest thing, would be to make a push to get me on other shows. I was only on Chris Jericho's show probably because a few people told him he needed to get me on. I've gotten on some pretty big terrestrial radio programs, some serious XM shows, and all that is because 
people wrote those shows and said, look, you got to get this Greg Carlwood guy on. He knows about all kinds of crazy stuff. From Atlantis to Zeta Reticuli, this is your guy. That stuff matters. And those interviews actually have a huge impact, probably more than anything. So if you have a show that you think would be at all open to a humble stoner conspiracy enthusiast as a guest that has a decent audience, put in a good word for me. I really just am looking to kill it in the last couple months of the year. I've been a little bit lazy. And I'm trying to kick off the house slippers and put on those work boots, guys. <laughs> and now that I'm through the stress and anxiety of the first live show and have a few episodes recorded, I'm back to a full focus on getting them released. So that's good news. And to touch on today's show a bit more, it does seem like there's a dark synergy between several of the nefarious campaigns we see out there. Geoengineering, 5G, and CERN. I do think reality is being messed with in a big way. I just have a hard time conceptualizing what success looks like for the elite. Will we be in an unrecognizable world one day? Will mass portals open up that are unavoidably obvious to everyone? Like, how epic or how subtle is this in the end? Lots of questions, some of which we did get to in the plus half of this show. Things like the new smart cell towers and why they're different than what we've had before. Who's to blame? Who to hold accountable? The Committee of 300... We also talked briefly about the Power Pyramid secret Caribbean island compound, the political pushback on geoengineering and 5G, the cut the cable cord cutters movement and how that kind of serves this agenda. I hate the cable companies too, but we actually should think about possible manipulation there. And then we talked about selective targeted attacks that can be done with 5G technology, Susan's counterpoints to Dr. Judy Wood. And, of course, our compromised academia. All interesting threads. I personally still put a lot of support behind Judy Wood. I think there are aspects of the towers falling that controlled demolition does not answer. The spire that just turns into dust. The water wall that surrounds the World Trade Center complex not being damaged. The complete lack of seismic impact data when tons of steel were supposedly crashing into the ground and the hurricane that was off the East Coast at the time that she shows reports of and how that storm acted weird because of this exotic weaponry. Now the rest of it, the molten steel bubbling for days or weeks, the odd holes and effects in the material, I can't say that that's not nanothermite. But again, I think they flood us with these different theories to break us apart and lose focus of who's really to blame because we're arguing about the size and shape of their weapon. Just my two cents. You know, I always like to let a guest make their case, but in the wrap-up, I sometimes have to tell you how I feel, and this is just one of those times. Anyway, of course, the best way to support THC is just to become a Plus member. It's five bucks a month, five extra hours of shows, and to see some hosts who are basically household names in this field talking about, oh, it's so expensive to run a show, and we can't keep doing this unless we get more support. Sometimes I just don't get it because with their book sales, their general fame, and everything else, some people are still playing the desperation game. I think that's bullshit a lot of the time. I just want to be honest with you and say sign up if you like the show. It's just a choice to double the amount you get. And if I'm being honest, I do have concerns about the AdSense shutdown becoming a bigger problem. It might spread into other areas. So I would like your support while it's easy to get. Some people think the free show is enough. That's cool. Be thankful to those who do allow for five free hours to be produced each month. But I've never had a Plus member say that the second hour sucked and was a waste of their money. Usually people say it's a great value. 
the comments section is usually the most thoughtful feedback I get. So hopefully you see something there and find it valuable to be in the club. I'm just trying to play the game we all have to play, enjoy myself doing it, and create something beneficial at the same time. Everybody does something to pay their bills, but I think this is a lot better than shilling for GameStop. For me, for you, and for the guests that grace our stage. But you know all this. So do consider some type of extra help this month just to give us that little boost that every show needs once in a while. We gotta reassert our dominance, as they say in the Animal Kingdom. But I love you guys, and I hope you stick with me for a long, long time. I'm getting out of here. Your move, cell signal sorcerers, technological terrorists, and agents of the eco-genocide. You're fucking. Maybe you'll see. Goddamn this plan. No fan spraying on me. Cronies don't you know they control. Oh